follow us on social media. On Facebook, facebook.com forward slash the Tag Team Podcast. On Twitter, at Tag Team Podcast. On Google Plus, the Tag Team Podcast. Email us, at the Tag Team Podcast at gmail.com. Leave us a voicemail on the tagline. 6016544 tag that's 6016544824 you can also listen on soundcloud by searching the tag team podcast you're listening to the tag team podcast the podcast that is a wwe network companion currently covering 1984 wwf tuesday night titans and now here are your tag team podcast hosts jeff jones and john burke Good to see you. I'm John Burke. I'm Jeff Jones, and I'm back. How was the trip to Bosleyville? It was scary, to say the least. Does he live like Captain Lou? Sort of like a Captain Lou and a Sergeant Slaughter with the tents. Uh, he isn't doing very well, but he says he's doing fine. I, I told him that he was missed and that any time he wanted to come back would be good. And uh, we were looking for replacements. So kind of let him know, hey, it'd be good to have you back. But if not, yeah, we'll move on. Yeah, got three viable candidates. I heard. Possibly two and a half. Well. I don't know about Alice. I don't know about her. She likes to look at the wrestlers. I think some of her time would be just ADD and off instead of actually doing research. <laughs> I have to ask her. Yeah, I might have to ask the guy that's there for the ladies, too. This might be the easiest <laughs> yeah. we've ever done, throwing down the candidates. I guess we can give it another week. I might go to Monster this time and put an application out. There you go. And give it another week, and then we can make our decision. Maybe we can put a poll up on the Facebook to see who the listeners want to hear. Yeah, that'd probably work. So tune in next episode and we'll have a poll up and we'll narrow down each candidate maybe by their audition so you guys will know who's who. Sounds like a plan. Let everybody know what's going on. Anything going on with you this week? Not really. Watch some movies but eh, other than that, none of them were fantastically great. Yeah, I know what you mean. How about you? Nah, Bosley Land. That was the major part. It's like a soda. We're in the world's Carmen San Diego. <laughs> trying to find out where he is. But yeah, other than that, no. Hopefully next week will be a little more adventurous and I can bring a little more to the table. Well, can't always be adventurous every week but if you go on to see bosley then yeah you're you're probably good that's parts unknown not too many people come back from there i've heard i had to be quick and watch my back understandable dangerous parts unknown oh yeah and you're on bosley's home turf and yeah you never know what he could do it's a wild man i'll be sure i wore my neutral game colors so and stick out always a good strategy i tried to do my research for going to bosley land make sure i knew where to step where not to step who not to talk to what to wear what not to wear what time to go out kind of deal that's good man probably did more research than I would have. That's what I got robbed and probably stuck there. Well, dedication, what can you say? Dedication, indeed. We need Bosley back. I don't know. Maybe not. I'm not willing to write anyone off on my EOE. Is that a fact? Yeah. He does have some experience, though, so we'll see. All right. I'm game for new faces, or maybe we we can have them come in on separate days and maybe have two different voices. Gonna change it up a little bit. Man, did you get a third job that I didn't know about? (laughs) Who's paying all these people? (laughs) I may or may not put in some overtime. You never know. Okay. <laughs> Definitely isn't from this job, that's for sure. No, nope, but I went yard selling and done some Monopoly games, so we may be able to get that third person in after all. All right. All proceeds benefit the Tag Team Podcast Researcher. Definitely. Maybe we can get some little hotels and houses, give them some place to live. Free room and board. That's right. Yeah, exactly. On board 
Bonk, baby. The only place to live. That's true. It's worth it. That's what I'm saying. Let's recap. Previously on the Tag Team Podcast. We had episode 12, October 16th, 1984. We had Vince McMahon and Lord Alfred Hayes open up the show. And Vince welcomes Alfred Hayes as the elder uncle of Boy George. And Alfred states it's because the color of his suit. Vince McMahon moves on from the topic, which I don't think that's what he was referring to. <laughs> the next segment, we have Sergeant Slaughter. And he brings us to his private location where he trains his Cobra Corps. And we learned that if your name is Coon, you have a very good chance of getting in. And it's not a great idea to dress up as your leading commander because you will get called out. Next on the set, we have John's favorite character, Tito Santana, joining the set. Cheeto. And John was very happy to know that he come out on crutches. About time. And we still believe that it's because of the referee that he didn't pay off in his match with the Sheik that he has a knee injury. And we cut to a match before his injury of Tito Santana and Rene Goulet. And then next we cut to the footage where we have Tito Santana actually getting the knee surgery. I have to say that I was never able to keep my sunglasses on up to and after the procedure. Goulet. Next we have Big John Stud joining the set and he promised us three weeks ago from that day that he was going to bench 700 pounds. True story. And we found out that it was really only 630 pounds that he actually was able to lift successfully the first time. And that was supposed to be the warm-up. And I believe we counted the weights and it was 6... 655. 6.55 was actually on the bar. Plus the bar. So total 6.55 instead of the 700. And he failed to get it the first time. So Vince said well, see you later. We got other things to do. And we move on to a match with the Samoans versus Adrian Adonis and Dick Murdoch. And we see that the Samoans lose due to a disqualification by touching Lou Albano due to typical Lou shenanigans. And next we have viewer mail. And it was a very special delivery for Lord Alfred Hayes as it was delivered and sealed with a kiss. Next Bruno San Martino joins the set. And we learned from him that he runs eight miles a day and he works out every night and he is down 240 before he retired and we cut to a video of a match uh, between him and the brawler and it was a soon to come UFC fight is what it seemed like to be much more of a wrestling match and during the segment uh, Bruno San Martino we have his son David San Martino and Ron Shaw we know who wins that one Ron Shaw of course he wins all David scoops up with a slam and gets the pinfall win at victory and right as we think that the Bruno San Martino segment was not going to end, Big John interrupts and says, we're going to lift it again to 700 pounds. And this time, we're going to have Bruno help lift off. So we see John get under the bench. And we see that Vince McMahon, once again, is there for the liftoff. Does not put down the microphone. But through the grace of Python Powder, Big John Stud is able to bench the 700 pounds slash 655 successfully. After that, we move to the advice with the lovelorn with Freddie Blassie. And if you want to hear that, you must go back to our previous episode and let's give that a listen. Next on the set, we have the Tonga Kid joining the set and he brings his lovely ladies to dance. And we learn that he is wanting a chance to wrestle Roddy Roddy Piper due to the Jimmy Snuka incident that was done on the Piper's Pit. And we wrap up the segment with the Tonga Kid going against Ted Grizzly, which reminds us from Mr. Grizzly from Super 
super punch out and we notice we have a familiar face in the audience and it's our old buddy hillbilly jim watching on the tonga kid versus ted grizzly and then we have the tonga kid and vince and alfred doing some hula dancing and then they go to have a luau and then wrapping up tnt titans we have videos of jyd junkyard doll which some might say might be a secret nod that maybe is coming up on the next episode maybe i have no information on that yet can't (laughs) say for sure Hi, I am Bosley and I am here with Hulk Hogan. Hulk, thanks for being part of this promo for the new Tag Team Podcast Shop campaign. Sure, no problem. For each shirt or item sold, a portion goes to the Tag Team Podcast to help fund the web bandwidth cost. We have shirts starting at $24.49. Wow, that's unbelievable. If we sold all those shirts, where's my percentage? Hulk, you don't get a percentage. Some of the money goes to the Tag Team Podcast since they are their shirts. Those are my shirts. I've got a right to sell them. Do you want to cash me outside how about that? That's not what I want. Look, man, I made a mistake. I apologize. I was a real horse's ass. That's what I thought. To visit the Tag Team Pod Shop, go to shop.spreadshirt.com slash the Tag Team Pod Shop, all one word, or click on the link in the description of this podcast or on the side of the web page. Do it, brother. I guess I blew that one. It's okay, Hulk. Our listening audience are used to it. That's for damn sure. Let's do some recap in episode 13, Tuesday Night Titans, October 30th, 1984. This actually was on YouTube. Hooray. A little bit different version on YouTube too, at least at the end. Not too much difference with all the in-between, but at the end it was a little bit different than what we got on the network. Do you remember what the running gag? Alfred Hayes was referred to as a Ghostbuster. I wonder which one. Hmm, I don't know. I'm not sure either. I don't think of my a Peter Vinkman, but he's not an Egon, that's for sure. No, he's not. Maybe he's Wilson. He is a Wilson, isn't he? Yeah, I think so. Our first clip was a rerun. Hooray! They had another rerun of Cobra Core training. Wasn't much different than what we saw last time, except it was a more condensed version. In case you fell asleep last week, they wanted to make sure you saw it this week. But we got to see Coon, the Coon Boys, and him do some more push-ups, because he was out of uniform, and the weird lung guy that we couldn't understand his voice that looks like Papa Bowie, and him giving his speech again about Iranians and Russians. You think that's where racism comes from, Sergeant Slaughter? I'm pretty sure that's where Donald Trump's like, hey, he's got some good ideas there. I'm going to do that one day when I become president. I was listening to this propaganda. We don't want any Russians. We don't want any Iranians. Well, what'd they do though so bad? You know, a little competition never hurt nobody. Well, Iranians did kidnap some people a few decades ago. For them, it was just a few years. But yeah. See, there you go. <laughs> I think they get a bad rap. Um, I think it was pretty justifiable then. I don't know so much now but another podcast for that kind of speak around here there you go i put in the notes as i was watching the re-clip of sergeant slaughter that this is why we don't let media into our personal lives they just keep spreading it across the world they just can't let it go for it to be so secret of a base they're doing a lot of talking and a lot of spreading the scene around media likes to get their hype going when it's a slow news story and try to stretch it out as long as they can till the next big wave comes so they bring slaughter out this time first time on set and they go to talk about the Cobra Corps a little bit, and I found this little dandy kind of interesting. The Cobra Corps was the toughest and, like you said, the elite. And I got so many cards and letters and phone calls from young men that wanted to go through the uh, Cobra Corps. So I 
put a camp together and I said, well, if you've got the, the guts, come on down. Uh, so we did it and uh, they all made it through, but uh, none of them uh, really impressed me enough to get into pro wrestling. No, I consider that uh, something else again. That sucked. There's no way I'd hire them to be wrestlers. But they're good enough for the Cobra Colt. Yeah, I don't know what that says about Terry Daniels. He made it as a wrestler, didn't he, one time? Uh, he was there for, I think, three whole matches on TNT, and now he's faded out into oblivion, never to be spoke of again, except for in trivia questions. Mm. So were you like me when you saw that rerun and thought, oh, cool, some additional footage? No, I saw the rerun and thought, oh, look, it's the same again, except Except it's shorter version, which <laughs> should have been the first version. I was thinking, oh, they'll show something here they didn't show last time. Nope. Same thing. Just condensed. Time filler. Exactly. Stotter was saying he has a busy schedule and people stop him all the time. Even though he has this big old camouflage limousine, which apparently doesn't do its job because people can find him pretty easily. Yeah. Not a fan of the, look all the money I got. Let's put camo for no reason. I did say he was basically the biggest person in the world as far as popularity. Oh yeah, probably. I would think there would be other people at the time, but apparently it was Sergeant Slaughter. It's only Slaughter. Only Slaughter. Don't halt that propaganda. You'll be voted out to Ukraine too. Exactly. Exactly. Only slaughter. Did you notice his sunglasses? Yeah, I'm posting a clip out on Facebook of those handy dandy little sunglasses. I would like to say I think the story's fake. But it's a good story. But Little Johnny? Yeah. Little Johnny. Now there's a lot of jokes about Little Johnny and he's very vulgar, I have to say. <laughs> I don't know what happened to him in the 80s and the 2000s. Yeah, I'm not sure either. But I think the story was a little boy named Johnny gave him those glasses in remembrance of his father that died in the Vietnam War. Allegedly. Yep, that's what they're going with. And the glasses have United States flag watermarked in the frames. And Vince says it might be a little hard to look through those glasses due to the design. And Slaughter says, when you're looking through the stars and stripes, you can see everything. Which I don't think that's true. <laughs> no, I don't think so either. I think it'd be a little harder to do it. <laughs> uh, not too many people are wearing flags over their heads. Not anymore, anyway. <laughs> so they go to a match, and we get to see Sergeant Slaughter and the return from his brawl to end it all debut, Charlie Fult. Big F. And that's exactly how he fared in this match. <laughs> On commentary, we had Vince McMahon and Bruno San Martino. And Bruno basically showed why he didn't last too long as a commentator. He was kind of absent through most of this match. Yeah, and when cutting to the match at first, I looked on Charlie's face. And he just says, all right, let's just get this over with. I think he knew already he's going to lose. He was not happy <laughs> about this at all. To add injury to insult, they let all the kids and somehow some adults got in there. Maybe they were the kid chaperones into the ring after the match. So, yeah, not only did he have to lose, he had to get that out of there quick. Did you notice what kind of pulled up Paul Orndorff there? And three minutes later, after the song ended, he finally just got in the ring after he started touching and waving flags and kissing babies like the mayor high-fiving the American flag and throwing camouflage jackets around. Yeah, it took him a while to get in there. And then also, once he was in there, I noticed he had new attire. No longer was he wearing any camo. He was wearing a special red, white, and blue type outfit, where his top was white and red and his trunks were blue. It's a new era. Yeah, at least for a little while. We won't go into the future here, but yeah, for at least for now. I didn't see him with the sunglasses. Did you see the sunglasses? Uh, those were only for TV appearances and special BS stories. Well, see, I thought so too, but during the segment of whenever he was talking with Vince, he claimed that he wore them when he went to talk shows and whenever he wrestled. So, gotcha. <laughs> 
interviews thinking of Tito Santana and when I'm in the hospital and when they do surgery on me. It, that would have been an appropriate time to wear sunglasses for the United States of America, for sure. <laughs> they cut back to stage and he was talking about a 97 year old ladies wanting to join the core and he said he follows all world sports they go back really to show the kids afterwards even after the match they don't show the kids right away they go back to show the kids inside the ring after they take a commercial break so i'm not really sure why they had to take a commercial break for that vince already teased it before the match even started by showing coming up next you see all these people in the ring with slaughter you notice when the ring started filling up sergeant's slaughter kind of got closer to the turnbuckles as the ring started getting fuller smart smart man oh yeah he got the hell out of there is what he did <laughs> they actually did that and of course this is on a well actually it might be on the same budget since it's 1984 wwf but ecw did that in Kissimmee one year and the ring just collapsed under the weight of all the people that were in there of course these weren't kids these were mostly adults but yeah but you're gonna talk about the time when terry funk said give me some chairs and they filled the ring up with chairs <laughs> <laughs> yeah i had some of those moments in there as well. Uh, Vince does a little tease and it becomes a Paul Orndorff interview, if you will. Sarge will join us later on and we shall return with more TNT in just a moment. And I never saw Sergeant Slaughter join him again, so I guess he got lost. I think that's the theme with the characters, because I believe after every interview, he asked him to stay after. I'm not sure what he had planned. Maybe the dancing and the blue suede shoes we never seen. Maybe he was wanting to get a group of people together. Maybe so. We will touch on that at the end. But yeah, there were some things left out on this broadcast. The next, uh... Yeah, I'll let you just touch away on this one. I ain't got nothing to touch on this. <laughs> The next segment we have is Brutus Beefcake does a strip tease for some women. Yes, and I'm looking forward especially to one of my favorite personalities, a new personality, Brutus Beefcake. Yes, I understand he's going to take take it off. Yes. Interesting. I don't like the way Alfred was laughing. He was a little more excited than the people at the rest home that Beefcake was at. Yeah. Yes. Calm down, Alfred. I think the only thing I took from this segment is when you're doing a strip tease, make sure you stay awfully close to your manager. Don't go dance with the ladies. Make sure you stay by the manager. I, uh, I'm glad you warned me about this. I took a little <laughs> bit of a break. Many times. Didn't have to watch as much as I probably should have to be a good journalist, reporter, investigator, broadcaster, podcast person. I don't know. So I didn't really pay too much attention to it. I did get some screenshots that I really didn't want to get, but I felt they were necessities of this one lady that was dancing a little bit too much and was a little bit too into it. And yes, eventually she got to dance with... You mean she was drunk? Yeah, I think they all were. <laughs> got to dance Mr. Eddie... Leslie there and she was happy but yeah she was a little bit too into it compared to some of the other ones so got a screen cap of oh, her yeah. and she'll be up there on Facebook and a couple other screen caps of women just wanting to touch him I gotta touch him for no reason yeah it's like let the man do his thing seriously him and Johnny Valiant was fine over in the corner dancing all these women just start appearing out of nowhere couldn't help but wonder what the original song was because we know that that wasn't what they played when it originally aired they played some 80s song that they had the rights to or there were no rights at the time they just had to dub over it with that weird porn music 
I'm trying to think of an 80s song that they would have used. I'm not sure when it came out, but a lot that was used in the early 90s, and it might have been a 90s song, was Raining Men. But I don't know if that came out in the 80s, or in fact it was a 90s song. I'm not sure what they would Could have been the YMCA. Possibility. He didn't do any hand things, though. I would think he'd have to do that even, but who knows. He could have been the construction guy. I just forgot his hard hat. If any of the listeners has the original copy and would like to write in to the typing podcast at gmail.com, feel free. Let us know what that original song was. Ladies. Not something I'd want to watch myself, so you can keep the tape, but just let me know what, what the song was. So they go back and to spare some people, 22 minute, 26 seconds to the 26 minute, 16 second mark. Just skip over that and you'll be good. It'll be a better TNT for you. You'll miss all that. But they go back on set and they bring out Brutus Beefcake with Johnny Luscious Valiant. Kind of reminded me, I don't know if you're familiar with Tony Clifton, the alter ego for Mr. Andy Kaufman until Bob Zamuda took over the role. Somewhat familiar, yes. I think I'll post something up there on Facebook or YouTube of Tony Clifton. Reminded me kind of, I guess just the way he talked and stuff reminded me of the mannerisms of Tony Clifton. So I couldn't help but think about that for a lot. And did you play the same game that I played when he was talking about the WWWF? (laughs) No, my notes were, I have no idea what the hell he's talking about. I don't really feel that Beefcake needs a mouthpiece. I think he did better on his own than Johnny Valiant. If you guys want to play a good drinking game during this episode then every time you hear Johnny Valiant say the World Wide Wrestling Federation which they hadn't been called since 1979 and this was 1984, take a drink and just to sum it up, I got a clip As a human being in the World Wide Wrestling Federation, make my reappearance in the World Wide Wrestling Federation with some ladies and gentlemen boys and girls, wrestling fans of the World Wide Wrestling Federation and bring some yo-yo here to the World Wide Wrestling Federation. World Wide Wrestling Federation fans. Ladies and gentlemen, World Wide Wrestling Federation fans. I count seven times he said World Wide Wrestling Federation. Hold on, I ain't done drinking. <laughs> trying to catch up. That second clip there, there was leather. It sounded like farting, but it happened a couple of times, and it was, I guess, Beefcake's leather arm thing or something. But I got a still shot of that, too, because first time it happens, you see uh, Vince's eyebrow raise up like, what the heck? <laughs> I'll play it one more time. I think it's the second Worldwide Wrestling Federation. You'll hear a little... Reappearance in the Worldwide Wrestling Federation with some... Yeah. <laughs> Either it's that or his microphone where it's on his vest or, or it's in his jacket. It was definitely something apparel oh, related yeah. for sure. I thought it was a fart the first time, but then it happened some other times too. I'm like, oh, that's clothing then. I would like to think it was a fart and the Vince did too that first sound. So <laughs> the first screen cap I got was, was Vince giving the people's eyebrow there. So moving from the noises, we cut to Mr. Beefcake versus Tony Guerrero. Good old Tony Guerrero running out there like he just got off commentating or something. It's like, oh crap, I'm up. And he was still running to the ring while the guy was introducing him. So I got a little still shot of that. 
that too. I thought that was a little funny. It's tied up in the ropes with his foot. He needs to slow down. I ain't nobody going anywhere. Still going to lose regardless of how fast you get there. Guarantee it. It's all good. Soak it in, man. It was good old Gorilla and Mean Gene on commentary for this one. I thought it was a decent all-around match. I think Tony would have beat him the, the second pinfall if the referee would have been just a little bit quicker on the downfall. But I thought that Beefcake was going to lose this one. I was like, well, here's number three of the guests on TNT that get beat when they're in the spotlight. But with some illegal choking and some forearms, Beefcake happened to slither away with the pinfall. Did you notice a little bit of the botch that went on before the match started with Gorilla making commentary about the forearm apparel? Are you referring to the stripes? Yeah, he had the stripes on as well. I can't remember. if I think he might have had the same shiny thing that he wore on set first. Either that or he had the stripes on his forearms and they're like, oh, that should be illegal. And then he's taking it off right as they say that. It's like, damn, <laughs> that didn't work out too well. It was just part of the entrance attire. Calm down, guys. It did take him forever to get everything undone so well, that's not what the ladies thought but Guerrero pretty much yeah he owned the first part of the match it was pretty much all him apparently Brutus is still working on a finisher he did a high knee this time instead of the earthquake sit down pin looks a little better yeah I think he keeps that for a good while because it sounds like high knee like a butt so I think that's the running gag with that he's doing a uh-huh. high knee <laughs> We know eventually from our days that it'll end up being a sleeper hole, but not for a while. Yeah. They go back on stage and Vince wants Brutus to talk because no one's ever heard him talk. And then basically Brutus Beefcake goes all George the Animal Steel and finally speaks. Brutus. Beefcake. Awesome. That's the only two words you'll need to know, baby. He's no Salvatore Belumbo, that's for sure. Yeah, no, no, definitely not. Even though I did have to severely amplify that clip to actually be able to hear him because <laughs> he was not that loud on there. I don't even think they had a mic on him, though. We go to, after that, our first jip of the episode. Big John Stud versus Welcome Back, S.D. Jones. Yeah. Got Gorilla Monsoon and Lord Alfred Hayes on commentary. Interesting commentary going on on during this match as well. I liked how Alfred coached OSD Jones the whole way. Yep, and then they talked about juicing for better lack of word. Well, there's that old scar tissue we were referring to earlier on. Once you get it uh, in this particular sport, you don't get a chance to let it heal up properly. Well, you do, you just don't blade yourself every night, but back then you did. I don't know what you're talking about. Yeah, scar <laughs> tissue. They always seem to have it on the forehead. It's amazing. Never gets to heal. <laughs> He tells you why. Well, there's always on the forehead. Rough headbutts from S.D. Jones capitalize on that scar tissue. Made him look like a million dollars for most of this match. Speaking of a million dollars. Yeah, 15 grand. There is 15 grand. That's right. Up for whoever can body slam Big John's stuff. And it was almost S.D. Jones's. If it had been a tag match, they'd have split the money. Because S.D. Jones would have got it. Big John Stud was able to grab the ropes. And that was basically the turning point in the match right there. Oh, yeah. I did see S.D. go outside the ring one time and just the camera just happened to be there at the right time to see the man going around selling the Hulk Hogan fingers. Buy your fingers, kids. $8. And I got a still shot of that that I'll put up there on Facebook. Marketing. Gotta love it. Yeah, it's good product placement there. Just in time for ST to go out and here comes the man selling the fingers right there on TV front and center. A lot of headbutts. Big John Stud scar tissue as they're calling it. Comes open and starts bleeding until we get some blood and no blue boxes. 
boxes. The blue box has left the TNT broadcast for quite some time now. I was a little worried about it. I was too. I think it might have went with Terry Danielson that went off to the sunset. Hulk Hogan was the like their superstar. The blue box just protected his honor on TV. Can't show your superstar getting all bloody. Blue box. No. Yeah, that's right. Put a blue box on him. Go cover his whole face. I don't <laughs> care. Better than blood. Alright. Why don't they put a Hulk Hogan finger there in the little blue box? What they should have done. Yeah. advertisement. If only they had it back in that episode. Man, Vince, what the hell? So, Big John Stud finishes him off with his patent big elbow drop for the win. And then Big John Stud taunts Hogan. And Bobby's taunting Ham and Eggers after the match. I think they invited the referee to body slam Big John Stud. Yeah, I thought he was going to take it up when he said to me, Yeah, sure, I'll give it a go. And then never showed it happening. So, I'm pretty sure he did it. And that's why we've never seen that ref to this day. He got his payday. Yep, so that referee. I wonder if he got with the other referee and finally paid off Tito's debt. Possibility. I did happen to stumble upon a couple episodes back. I looked up Ham and Eggers, and sure enough, there is a place in Connecticut called Ham and Eggers Restaurant, and it's Uncle Bob's, I think, Ham and Eggers. So um, no doubt, I think they are paying a tribute to Bobby the Brain Heaton. Coincidence? Still in business, to my knowledge, too. It's a little bit outside of Stamford, but it is in that same area as WWE Titan. And towers would be. So, are you saying road trip? Heck yeah. Come to the huh? tag team podcast meetup. We'll be there next Saturday. Oh, maybe not next Saturday. We'll announce and we'll be there. Yeah, we'll make an event on Facebook. That'll be fine. So, our next segment we have is Advice to the Lovelorn segment with Johnny Valiant. They went out of order big time on this episode. This is usually like towards the end. And it's like, what the hell? They're doing it like the third thing right after the second mm-hmm. match they had. I was very, very upset. As I imagine you were too for other reasons that we'll get to a little bit later in this episode. I don't know what they were thinking. But yeah, I was not happy. And parents, just so you're warned. Some listeners may find the following clip disturbing. Parental discretion is advised. Ooh. Continue. We have question number one. After watching the fabulous physiques in the WWF, my husband doesn't compare to them. What is a woman to do? Johnny Valiant replies with, consider yourself lucky that you have somebody. Quit looking over other people's shoulders. Quit looking at the guy mowing your lawn. And be grateful for what you have. Which I thought was an unexpected answer. Yeah, I'm not sure if he got all this segment, what it was supposed to be like. Maybe never watched the other two. I know he hadn't watched products since 1979. Worldwide Wrestling Federation told me that, but yeah. Vince sums it up with the grass is not always greener on the other side. Which is true, ladies and gentlemen. So stay on your side of the fence. And then the second question he says is, my wife and I emulate some of the wrestlers on TNT. Some of the wrestlers include the Executioner, the Spoiler, and... Scara, Man of a Thousand Mask. And he says that recently that I put a mask on my wife and it really started to improve things. And he just wanted to suggest that, that he reads this to his viewers as to give them, you know, some hope if there's some issues going on and to let people know hey it's a good idea and Johnny Valiant says there's nothing wrong with a woman that wears a mask yep some of Johnny's best friends wear a mask I believe he commented that he had an ex-wife that wore a mask it's not a negative thing so kudos ladies get your masks on kudos indeed that's what I say and we had a third person write in she says I'm different I'm a female but I'm very attractive wealthy but I'm very much into ugly men are there any WWF wrestlers that would fit the bill and Johnny Valiant says yeah yeah Hulk Hogan yeah we got Tito Santana, and we got Junkyard Dog would be one, and we got USA number one, Mr. Sergeant Slaughter would be a good fit for you. They threw Slaughter in, and at the end, it was taking a turn for the worse. It was getting ugly. <laughs> yes. 
then we have the final question and I have a fantasy I've seen many matches in the WWF and I would like to be involved in a 20 man battle royal and they want to know if that's crazy and Mr. Valiant states that they have to be crazy to wish something like that that being in there with 20 different men in a battle royal would be not only crazy but bad for your health good insurance or death wish could be I'm not I don't I cannot speak for this person I would assume that this person would in some fashion fantasizes about being in the ring with 16 to 20 men in a, some sort of her own concoction of a battle royal. That's what I'm saying. That's what I'm saying. I don't think Valiant really understands what this battle royal would consist of. I think we got our preview with Wendy Richter winning in her Kisses of Victory Party. Oh, yeah. Might have been Wendy Richter that wrote in. I haven't seen her in a while. Could have been. Say, so, hey, is this okay to do? I think that's what it is. Sure is, you freaking... Oh! <laughs> oh, with that, let's go to break. Let's let John calm down. Next up, we get an interview with Junkyard Dog. Something strange in the wrestling ring. That's his motto. I think they left out some music, because as soon as he gets up there, they talk about that good music that was just playing. But on our side, also, what we heard was clapping. That was obviously dubbed over for the music. Didn't take long to get into food topics. They talk about his size, and then size leads to food, and foods leads to to wrinkle steaks. Now, what is wrinkle steaks? Is that that's nothing that England would uh, import it? Oh man, they got wrinkle steaks in England. I know. Man, I could have my, my neighborhood. We call them chilling, hog chilling, chillings. Wrinkle steaks in New York. You might go to the restaurant and have a big stock of say wrinkle steak, but uh, it's, it's chilling. I still don't understand. Oh, we're chasing. We're chasing. I'll let you chickens. Did you say no? No, not chitlins. It's it's close to well, it's from the same yard. As, as chickens, I guess. What are those? Vince tries to explain. <laughs> we all know Vince and JYD come out of the same yard. Yep. Vince tries to act like, oh, I never heard of these foods before. <laughs> Shut up. Yeah, yeah. They didn't have those in North Carolina. Question. Have you ever tried chitlins? I have. I have as well. I've had them two different ways. I must say, just like most foods, fried tastes a lot better than grilled. <laughs> I think I've only had them fried. Like I was advised, hey, eat these fried. Don't mess around that broiled stuff. It's hard to have them boiled, but it looks like they had them on the set. They were boiled, but it's kind of hard to tell for sure. It didn't look like any breading was on them. Thanks. I couldn't tell. Those dishes were kind of everywhere. But yes, we do know that JYD come out of North Carolina State. When he graduated high school, he was at 285, which was one of the biggest of that year. And JYD states that he grew up on collard greens, cornbread, black-eyed peas, ham hock, good old country boy food, which I grew up on the same foods as well. And you will get fat, that's for sure. Indeed, they're not known for the low calories here in North Carolina or in the South. Nope, we're going to die happy, damn it. <laughs> or, as we say, we're going to taste our death. There you go. But they never touch on, I guess, for all the viewers that aren't familiar with chitlins, they're actually pig intestines. So, for all those of you that didn't know. Spoiler alert. Yep, spoiler. But at least if you come down here and you see it on the menu, you'll know what you're eating before you know what you're eating. Unlike Alfred, who probably still has no clue what he was eating. <laughs> nope. Yeah, it don't take long, like you say, to get into the food. And JYD says, it's time to eat, fellas. He gets up and brings brings some ladies from the Yellow Bowl. Yes. Which is a local restaurant in town, which I don't know if they're still around. I did some investigating. Oh? They are not still around. Oh. I believe as of 2014, they closed and 
and the property's looking pretty shabby. I'll put a screen capture up there that I got from Google Street View of what the property looked like as of 2000, I think it was 16 that the picture was from. But yes, unfortunately, they did not last, and I'll also put up an article if you want to read about their foreclosing. That would be an interesting read. Yeah, it's nice and short, shows how long they've been in there, and that it was kind of a staple for the area, but if you look at the building, it looks terrible, and it was probably a blessing that they didn't continue there before it got condemned. So yes, unfortunately, the Yellow Bowl is no more. So. And I did note, we come to three little tables, and on one table, I believe we saw yams, chitlins, smothered chicken, has some collard greens, which collard greens and short ribs of beef, peach cobbler, rice, and had some corn muffins. Yes, I'm getting hungry. <laughs> I was getting hungry watching it. Oh my god, this is ecstasy. They were dealing up what they serve around here a lot of times on Sunday dinners and at some of the restaurants. The old K&W. There you go. Vince finally gets Alfred to try some chitlins or chickens or whatever Alfred wants to call them, but before he does, JD says, you gotta put some hot sauce on that. So Vince puts a lot of hot sauce on that. Not tomato sauce. Yeah, not tomato sauce, which Lord Alfred Hayes thought it was because everything reads tomato sauce. So they put too much on there and he says it tastes unusual besides hot, but he seems to like it because he goes back to it a couple times during this segment. Lord Alfred Hayes liked chitlins. And there was no water, by the way. So he was actually a trooper for sticking it out. Yes, he was. I believe Lord Alfred Hayes was excited too about eating the food in general. If there's any hope for Alfred, what if he started now on, on this on this oh, nutrition? Oh man, it make you feel like a new man in the morning. Really, Will? Yep. I'd like to feel like a new man. I'd like to feel like a man even. <laughs> yeah, after this enthusiasm against British beefcake earlier, I'd like him to feel like a man as well. Yeah, I think after that hot sauce run through him, pretty sure he's going to feel like a new man in the morning. Yeah, whole new colon cleansing going on. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and then next, I believe he tries some ribs. Well, they go to a match next. They go to some JYD, Jip, Paul Vachon versus JYD, and we were talking off air. I think this is probably the match they showed prior. Just different footage of the same match. More footage. The only thing I noticed on this one was, of course, Jack Reynolds and Angela Mosca doing commentary because we're back up in Maple Leaf wrestling territory. But also that Mr. JYD's trunks letterings were falling off, unfortunately. <laughs> so that'll have to get repaired after the match. But it was the same outcome. Same outcome. He gets a win. We get some biting on Vashon after some back aches and a big thump slam for the win. And then we go back on set. I actually was returning the favor for scratching his back. He figured he'd nibble on his ear. Yeah, you scratch my back, I'll bite your ear. I think that's Tyson's motto as well. Tyson was, you headbutt me, I'll bite you. That was the excuse. So then they come back and eat some ribs. They served the recipe prior to going to the match, and then magically it's all cooked through television magic. Lord Alfred Hayes was a little bit confused on how to eat ribs, though. Um, is there a plate somewhere? Please, no, please. no, just pick one up, Alfred. Come on, pick it up with your hands. Yes, you have a knife and fork, please. Use the phalanges, man, your face. Hands. For, this is ribs, Alfred. <laughs> ribs? Well, you picked them up with your fingers, Alfred. Well, I don't... Do you have a finger bowl? No, no, no. We have a finger bowl. Anybody in the control room have a finger bowl? We're fresh out of finger bowls, Alfred. Fresh out. Do we get a, do we get a finger bowl? Finger bowl, anybody? Oh, yeah. Piper will give you a finger bowl, Alfred. <laughs> I'll 
five. Yep, into the next Sundays. I gave the feeling that Alfred's high maintenance. Yeah, it's hard to believe he was a wrestler. Yeah, but he did end up liking the ribs after all. I think he said it was good enough for his majesty and anybody else. Yep, he's a rib eater, likes chitlins, and loves cobbler. He had some peach cobbler on there, and he was chowing down on that as well. Regular country boy. Exactly. And next, they go out of order and go with, I'm going to mispronounce this, but here I go, Baron Michael Sochla. I don't know. I call him BMS, so that's what his name is to me. BMS. Yep, huh? BMS. He knew Hayes quite well, it seemed like, when he got introduced. And they go to a match, and it's BMS, Curtis King Alakia, Alakia versus Chief J and Sonny King, who reminds me of Titus O'Neil, Titus Ran. And actually, on this one, this one would be one of the ones that I was talking about earlier, where they play up on there and we see wins. We don't know! They don't show wins on this one but they do show that it looks like they had help of a foreign object from King Alakea so we're guessing that probably they won because the ref wasn't disqualifying them. We had to see them hit him with the object and then go down for the pin but we never actually see the three count so we'll just assume that they won. And then he tells a story, BMS goes back on set and he tells a story about Lord Alfred Hayes. I don't remember the story I didn't write that down, but it was something of the nature of, can you believe this guy did this and this guy did that? You know who that guy was? It was Lord Alfred Hayes. And they had a good laugh about it. Before the Iron Sheep Volkoff Jit Festival, did you notice what happened at the 117 mark? No, I did not. Squeaky Door is back. Oh, no. You hear it in the background, along with some talking, I guess, either from possibly the ladies over there in the cooking segment, or maybe the stage people around there. Maybe talking to the ladies. I don't know. Not only did you have a... Also had some talking down there. I was really hoping that there would be no squeaky door. No, squeaky door <laughs> lives on. We're gonna get squeaky door is back. Look for that t-shirt. It'll be on Spreadshirt within a month or so. Next, we have our Jit Fest. They want to show off what we suggested a couple episodes ago. Freddie Blassie's newest tag team, Iron Sheik and Volkov. Because he manages both. Why not have him on a tag team? That's right. Two birds, one stone, baby. Yeah. We know Slaughter hates them both so I can't wait to see that handicap match. It's got to be a handicap. Yep. Cobra Corps members aren't cut to wrestle. Good luck, Slaughter. Have fun. Unless Coon and Coon decides to walk him to the ring. <laughs> On commentary, we got Vince McMahon and Bruno San Martino again. And for bonus, did you catch the jobbers? Did not catch the jobbers. Who they were. Yes. Had to do some serious digging here. It was the Joe brothers. Joe Marito and Joe Moscala. The Joe brothers. No, they weren't called the Joe Brothers, I just call them that. What's the chances of you having two guys that are both enhancement talent that are both named Joe? About the same chances you are of having two cadets named Coon and <laughs> Cobra <Cobor. laughs> Exactly. Very good odds in the WWF. Volkoff wins with a side knee drop. Then they go to the next Iron Sheik Volkoff match. And I know you caught who these two guys were. That was... I'm thinking, hang on. I didn't write them down because I thought, oh, that's them. That's It was uh, our boat builder guy, Salvatore Blumbo. And, uh, yep. and his tag team partner, Mr. Lombardi. The uh, Book and Brawler. Baller. 
Yep. Yeah. We'll name this tag team the Brooklyn Baller Boat Club. And it was just Vince on commentary for this one because no one else wanted to do it with him. And Iron Sheik wins with a camel clutch on Brooklyn Brawler. Last match, Iron Sheik Volkoff versus Brian Madden and Rodney Parment. And the announcers were... We don't know! I could not make it out. It was some new people for sure. Maybe Freddie Miller finally got his own solo <laughs> gig. I don't know. It was definitely none of the prior announcers that I can say for sure. No names were dropped, so I have no clue who was announcing this one. But alas, Iron Sheik wins with a camel clutch submission. wonder what the next episode. We're going to get an international war going. I'm sure before the end of this season, I would think that shots will be fired between Sergeant Slaughter and this newly formed tag team of evil that Slaughter is trying to rid the U.S. of. Evil doers. Exactly. <laughs> and then what do we have next week? Next week we have the Iron Sheik and Volkov. No, next week we have <laughs> Captain Lou Albano, Barry Windham, and the father of Bray Wyatt and Bo Dallas, Mike Rotundo, Mr. IRS himself. Always heard good things about Barry Windham, so I would be interested to see him coming into the WWF. I think it was before my time that I appreciated good wrestlers. I was, like I said, I was a cartoon guy. I was hooked on the over-the-top comic book cartoony guys, so he didn't fit that mold, but he's pretty well respected by all the people that are legendary, so I imagine he was probably a pretty good guy. Oh yeah, he's part of the Four Horsemen, of course. Yeah, one of 48 members that they have. But yeah, the one that Ric Flair acknowledges and says was the best version of the team. Take that, Ole Anderson. Aha, Ole Cannoli. You're out of here, bud. So what we noticed for episode 13, as mentioned before, the segments were all out of regular order. You usually don't have food and culture, and then go back and do some nostalgia matches, and then do chip matches. Usually food and culture's dead last or second to last. And here it was like third to last. And then of course we found out by the intranets that we missed JYD showing Vince and Lord Alfred Hayes how to break dance. And we missed Johnny Valiant and Vince singing Blue Suede Shoes. I don't both agree that it's probably due to music that they had to cut those because I'm sure they were playing popular music for the break dancing as well as don't have the rights for Blue Suede Shoes. Yeah, I was disappointed when I was reading through my notes and had seen that, once again, we missed Vince singing twice. Vince, get it together. Yeah, at least in the last one, he was on YouTube. This time, he's not even on that. Yep. They did do a better job at cutting it off on YouTube because on the end, towards uh, the ending of this show, they had a abrupt ending that made you think, oh, they're coming back and they're about to play something when they come back because it was kind of open-aired that, oh, when we come back, we're going to show you this than this and a most unusual ending and yeah that didn't quite happen so it was an unusual ending though <laughs> yeah it was here's the audio clip of what we're talking about when we return ladies and gentlemen a word about next the next edition of tnt and a most unusual occurrence 
nope, roll those credits and let's get the heck out of here. I think that's when Vince was talking. He said, next, we're going to talk about, then he kind of mm-hmm. swallows there for a second. I could see the guy, the cameraman. No, we're not doing it. We're just getting the hell out of here. We're tired. On 24 7, yeah. the ending was a little bit better job at cutting whatever they weren't showing than they did on the network. So if you go to the YouTube clip, the ending's a little bit different than that one. Both of them certainly knocking on the door of the championship. Certainly wholeheartedly invite you all back for the next episode of TNT. Essentially, it's the same thing. They just did a better job at it, ending it abruptly. Yeah, I was a little, a little disappointed at the ending, but I guess the way everything's going, it doesn't really shock me either. Did you notice what was missing from this episode? Besides a woman being there? No dancers? No, no, no dancers. No Wendy Ricker? No. Um, Can't let me down, man. You gotta know what's missing. I have to let you down. I know as soon as you say it, we're like, oh, you're exactly right. This was your favorite part of every episode, I thought. There was no mailbag. There was no mailbag. Well, did they do... Doubled up the questions for Lovelorn and did no mailbag. Last week, it was one question and the rest Lovelorn for a total of four. This week, four questions, all Lovelorn, no mailbag. Yes, the writers got tired of making up two sets of questions and they just went with one set of made-up questions. Sounds about right. But yeah, there was no mailbag. I figured you would be irate and probably would have to pull yourself together just to be able to do this podcast, but I guess I was wrong. No, I think the 20-man Battle Royal kind of took my mind off the mailbag segment that we had all that good food. Well, I guess that's okay. We can, we can make an exception. You probably erased the first half of your brain with the Brutus Beefcake trying to erase that from memory. I understand a little bit. That was a terrifying moment. Yes, for sure. In the most unusual way to introduce a wrestler. Did you happen to notice the darkness when they switched cameras in the opening? And it happened a little bit later in the show as well. They were talking, it was before they went to camera two at all they were just talking with camera one on and then they cut the camera two and it gets dark in that studio real quick and then all of a sudden it starts to lighten up you mean like somebody forgot to hit the light switch like that camera's going out or something you're blaming camera versus the actual lights on the set i will only because it happened twice and it wasn't all in the beginning segment if it didn't happen that that second time i could say someone forgot to do something but it happened again later on in the show okay i did take a screen cap of it i got a screen cap when they first went to the camera when it was very dark and then a few seconds later when it lightened back up so people could see the difference on that so you will see what i'm talking about seeing how you might have missed it man i panned out on the network so i didn't watch the youtube version of it or maybe i just didn't, didn't notice it maybe i didn't notice it was as dark as it was you had to catch it at the right time it was only for maybe three seconds tops so if you looked away for three seconds then yeah and they were talking they weren't showing anything it was just them talking to oh, each other as if they put the contrast back in yeah, it was like a color dimming ah, contrast, yep. something of that nature. Yeah, I know exactly what you're talking about now that you mentioned that. And the last thing that I think happened was, I think going off what I saw for the matches prior to and up the format for the show, is they probably added that some more Iron Sheik Volkov matches to make up for the missing segments, because it looked like there was really only possibly one Volkov and Sheik match, and then they just, well, we got them on there, let's do three in a row, like we've been doing 
for the past two episodes now. Well, let's hope it leads somewhere. That's not, but yeah, sure. It'd just be a waste of time there to show those three matches. Wouldn't be the first time. I have hope. I'm still waiting for Blumbo to win his second match. Apparently he's just a glorified jobber. Been on the show twice and it's only one one match. Well, he's still learning the American way of wrestling. And interviews. Yeah, and interviews too. Sorry, Bob Backlund put him in his place. We think. We never saw the ending. Maybe he reversed <laughs> it. That's why they didn't want to show it to us. Yeah, he may have reversed it after Bob Backlund left the ring. He may have <laughs> reversed it. Well, looking forward to next week's episode, episode 14. We got three left to go in this season, and then we are on vacation for a little while while we try to build up our bank. Money, money, money. Money. What do you want? You keep touching my leg. So, thank you for listening to Tag Team Podcast. Be sure to download multiple devices many times. Tell your friends, tell your family, tell your friends of your family, tell your family's friends to listen to the Tag Team Podcast. Thank you for listening to the Tag Team Podcast. Join Jeff and John next week as they continue to break down WWF Tuesday Night Titans. Ooh. Got your stuff.